Welcome, you squidgy little cream puff, to episode 29 of Carp On. On Sunday, for the very first time in our history, Liverpool Football Club recorded our third victory in a row at Craven Cottage, which has been the home of Fulham Football Club since 1896. Liverpool had never done that before, and that record is likely to fall under many people's radar because there are lots of other much juicier records that Liverpool are chasing. Anyway, the game finished 2-1 to us with goals from Sadio Mane, Ryan Babel for Fulham, and James Milner from the penalty spot. Here to help me make sense of a match that was much, much more exciting than the cold facts of the record books will have you know. Uh, this match had my nerves jangling like a teenager's bangles. And here to help me with it were Fergus McFadden and Linus Lovegard. I do hope you enjoy this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Carpon Podcast. You can send us your love, your hate, your ransom notes, your malware to carponpodcast at gmail.com. My name is Owen. Thank you so much for listening. Really. Well, the Final whistle went about 45 minutes ago. Uh, Fulham 1, Liverpool 2. I'm absolutely flying. And I don't know about you, gentlemen. I'm here with Fergus and I'm here with Linus. Um, you know, it's 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 a great feeling. And I had and I had a Eureka moment during that match. Um where I you know, all the troubles with the energy crisis and the worldwide environmental problems and all that stuff. Um, I, I figured it out, a new form of renewable energy. All you have to do, every Liverpool match, attach some kind of nodes to Liverpool fans' nerve endings and you've got enough electricity to power the globe for several hundred years. And that's probably just from the left side of my own body. I mean, you know, during these matches, it's it's like hell, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's just absolutely intense. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm still a bit sick, but I'm uh, I'm feeling a lot better. Um, but you know, this result, I'm absolutely flying. I cannot believe we we came through that match, and I'm just so very very happy that we're back on top of the league by two points. How are you feeling, Linus? I'm feeling obviously. I'm ha- I'm really happy with the draw. I'm a bit concerned with the performance but i think that's just fatigue from the schedule over the past weeks and coming from the the high of the champions league to a relatively let, let's call it boring i guess uh, if you compare it to the champions league game but more standard game versus a way way less uh, way way worse team so i i think maybe it's hard way harder to motivate for that so the performance weren't great and that's that's what concerns me so I'm a bit hesitant but obviously I'm elated and very relieved with the draw. Really relief is probably the overwhelming feeling at the moment. Excellent answer. Yeah, okay. What about you, Fergus? Yeah, likewise. I thought um it was quite a difficult match to suffer through, but uh I think when you're watching Liverpool your your emotions swing well my emotions swing between elation, uh relief and sometimes despair 
but today it was um, it was uh, elation when when Milner put that penalty away and relief at the end that uh, you know I, I I was seeing our title chances diminishing before our eyes when that goal went in from Fulham. But overall, when the final whistle went, then uh, and towards the end of the game, when we were sort of playing it out, very much a relief because it wasn't our best performance. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of relief. And there was that, I don't know, those few minutes. I think Babel scored around about the 74th minute and Milner in the 81st. And there were the, that seven minutes that lasted about about five days, didn't it? You were just watching, thinking, oh, my God. We've thrown it away. But then, you know, if in if you put it in the context of, of the league season, we came through that huge test. Now it's the international break. Um, Fergus, staying with you, how do you think Man City will feel? I mean, they've got to be a little bit more gutted than they would have been had we won even six or seven nil, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably that the... the uh... It's nice to see them uh, get, cause them some kind of anguish as well, because if they're sitting there, you know, jumping off their sofa when Ryan Dabble scores, and then, and then just getting knocked for six by uh, the, by James Milner's penalty, it's great to be able to. Who's a former Man City player, by the way, so it's great to be able to 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 make them feel a bit punch drunk as well every time we play, and they're just wondering what they have to do to try and um, shake us off. But we but we're not, you know, we're not. Uh, we're still winning games and we're still getting points. Absolutely, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they can't shake us off. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, we've got this resilience, this steel. Uh, it's absolutely fabulous to watch, isn't it? Linus, I mean, you know, that's it. I mean, is it is it much of a psychological advantage for us, you know, if Man City had been watching that match? And, you know, how are your nerves now? We've got seven matches to go. Uh, I'm not sure how much this affects the City City team because I I I think being the team they are I think they probably doesn't give too much about uh, how how we do obviously going to know the result and maybe maybe some of them watch the game but I think this could go two ways obviously they could be sad that we uh, came out with the win in the end even though we didn't look very good and probably sh- uh, didn't deserve it over over the course of the game but th- it could also go the way of Okay, Liverpool doesn't look too good right now, and they are they will probably slip up if this continues. So they could get a bit of confidence from that. So I think it 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 depends on how the city players uh, think about it. But I I think it's I think definitely they it it might play a part in not in their mind. So I think I think it yeah I I'm not really sure, but I I think it's it could be it could really go both ways. I think they could. It could be that it plays plays with their minds a bit. That we, uh, the, it looks like we're finally dropping points, but we get we get the points back in the end. But that's happened a lot of times this season. And City City is still top of the league. Well, they they were before this game, and they haven't really looked faced by it anyway. So I I'm not really sure about that. And with the seven matches to go, right? It's uh, it's I'm I'm a control freak, so I I don't like when things are out of my control and just see. Knowing I can't do anything to control what happens in these seven matches, it's it's yeah I I, I don't like it. I I am obviously elated we're we're in with a shot of winning the title. It's seven matches left, and I'm nervous. Obviously, I'm scared and nervous that <laughs> that we're not gonna win it. But 
I, I, I'm still confident. I think we have two matches, I think, the, that could go not our way this uh, in the rest of the season. I think it's the Chelsea and Tottenham, but they're both home games that I think we should win because we're way better than both of those teams. And if we if we just keep playing our game like we did, not like we did today, but like we did against Bayern, like we did against Watford, I don't think we're I I think we might win all our games. And I City still have United away, so I I'm nervous, but I'm confident at the same time. Wow, that's a very very thorough answer, very good answer. Yeah, lots to lots to dissect there. But before I do, um, Fergus, how are you? How are you? How are your nerves? I mean, are you dealing with this? I mean, we, we haven't spoken for for a couple of weeks. I mean, is it? I mean, how have you been, and how are you going to continue to be for the you know for the remaining seven matches? Well, I I sort of I played a, a bit of a mental trick on myself when um when we went away to Man City in January and lost two one. I thought okay, even though at that point we were still four points ahead, I thought that definitely made us second favourites for the title. I mean, City are they're an absolutely magnificent team. Magnificent players, great great team to watch. They're attacking, they're a great attacking side. We don't see them defend much, but we do know that they're a great attacking side. So even I was watching their game last night when they played against Swansea. They were quite lucky in the end with the final two goals that they scored. Um, very uh, doubtful decisions that went their way. But... Um, I've I've always thought that Man City has a better team and a better squad, so I've always thought of us as second favourites. And in that way, uh, if we win the title, you know, I think it'll be probably the best uh, Premier League title victory of all time, because no one should be overhauling this Man City side, especially after last season when they got over 100 points. So if we win the title this time, I think it's the best title victory of all time in the Premier League era anyway. Um, and if we finish second, then uh, it's also been a magnificent season because we're still building and we can improve again next year. So in terms of, I think, every Liverpool match, when it's not going, um, when, it's, when it's not an easy game, then uh, it, it can be nerve-wracking. Um, but, you know, just harking back to the Bayern Munich game in midweek, uh, the Bayern Munich game was much more of a pleasure to watch than the Fulham one because we played so well. Um, the... I thought we were far more in control of that game than we were of this one in a funny way. Uh, we, I just felt that Bayern, we really controlled that game. We scored our goals. We took our chances. Whereas in this one, it was touch and go whether we were going to win or, or draw. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the, uh, the emotional roller coaster right now is, is uh, hoping we'll win the title. But I, I'm not convinced that we will. But I, but I hope, uh, I really hope we do, of course. Oh, it's a, yeah, that's another brilliant answer. Yeah, it's 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 so difficult, isn't it? The emotional roller coaster. In French, they call it l'ascenseur émotionnel, which means the emotional lift or elevator, and it goes up and down. But this is like on a skyscraper, isn't it? This is one of those super fast lifts. That, but it's unbelievable. But both of you mentioned there that uh, you know we were, you know we were a little bit lucky and, and we were I do think we were a bit lucky after the mistake but if you were to look at this match you know on a statistical level for example uh, just give you some stats uh, overall from the match we had we had 16 shots to their seven and most of those were speculative from from their 
point of view. We had we had six shots on target. Um, we had sixty three percent possession, and our passing accuracy was up uh, compared to the last uh, ooh, two matches, at least the previous two matches. Um, it was up at eighty four percent, which is a a sort of standard figure uh, to sh that would show you that it's a, a you know a, a very good Premier League performance. 87% is is an excellent one. And I thought, actually, you know, we deserve to win this match. You know, we deserve the three points. They had that one chance uh, and, you know, that one you know big chance that Babel scored, which came from, well, perhaps three mistakes. Um, Virgil van Dijk held his hand hands up at the end in an interview with Sky Sports. I've just watched it. He said uh, he should have headed it harder uh, but for me he was one of he was again he was I mean you could have given him the man of the match despite that mistake I think he was absolutely superb against Mitrovic uh, Linus you know talk, tell me about that you know what do you think about that goal um, and what I mean do you really think we didn't deserve to win that match well I think like obviously we dominated the game, and I don't think Fulham deserved to win it. I don't. I don't think any team deserved to win the game because I think both teams played very, very bad. Like our performance, obviously we dominated the game because uh, Fulham just dropped back very much. So we dominated possession. We had way more shots, way more uh, shots on target, and so on and so forth. But I, I think in the end, I I think we did. We obviously didn't play very well. We were very good defensively and I thought thought our midfield did very well. It's just that final final ball. We just kept giving the ball away in the final third and I think that's uh, what was the big problem for us and that's what could have cost us the game. But yeah, if if you just look at the stats, obviously we dominated them. We had uh, six shots, 16, no, 16 shots and six on target, which that's very bad as well considering we scored two goals and we had to rely on a penalty. You think it's bad, really? Because I, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable. As you said, I mean, you know, they, they're very, very defensive. Scott Parker, um, you know, Scott Parker, he didn't exactly park the bus because, you know, he took the keys out of the bus before anyone could drive it anywhere so that they could park it. He took the keys out of the bus and he punctured all the tyres of the bus so that it never even left the station. And I think in that kind of game, you know, 16 shots with six on target and also Vinaldum should have had a penalty before that as well. I think, I honestly, I think it's a, I think it's a reasonable performance. I don't, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I, I guess I could agree with that. I just, I'm, very disappointed in the final third. I think we obviously they made it hard for us. They played very well, but I think, however much I like uh, love uh, Salah, I think I think he he wasn't good today. He was way too selfish with the ball. He, you can see it on him. He's really taking its toll, not getting score, not scoring in nine games. And I think we just we just looked a bit lazy, lackluster. We just passed the ball. Out. Uh, gave the ball away too many times. Both Robbo and uh, Trent didn't seem like they could get the uh, get the right cross at any any point in the game. And I just that that's the part that uh, and I noticed that we just didn't attack very well, and that's why we obviously almost didn't win the game. But in the end, I get I guess yeah, we did deserve to win it. But I I did not think the performance attacking 
wise was very very good but the, we've seen that all through the season we we have struggled in attack but we've still won the game and it's uh, a bit cliche, but it's the sign of champions. Oh well, that, yeah, absolutely. No, that's a very, that's a very, very good point. That's a very good point, Fergus. What do you make of it all? Yeah, I thought um, the performance was a bit lacking. Um, you know, we we weren't really at our attacking best, and I think that's because of the Champions League hangover. One thing that I, I mean, I thought that the fullback had a lot of space today. Both Trent and Robbo, they had plenty of space. Um, they had a lot of the ball. Trent had 16 crosses. And I don't know how many Robbo had, but uh, I'm sure I'll find it somewhere. But uh, one thing, when you, look, when you contrast our performances with Man City's, we tend to do a lot of those deep crosses. And I, I thought Trent was man of the match today, actually. One of them, anyway. Um, Mane was also excellent again. And who scored gave him the man of the match. But I thought Trent was excellent today. Robbo was very good on the left as well. Um, but a lot of our crosses, a lot of our chance making come from those deep crosses from the left and right from the fullbacks. And we, when, you, when you contrast us to Man City, you see that they do a lot of uh, one-twos going towards the byline, the touchline, and then into the box. And they, do, they always do those short um, passes across the six-yard box by doing a one-two between the winger and the fullback, which tends to just cut out the centre of defence. Whereas our chance making, it comes from a bit deeper. Um, Trent has a magnificent cross on him, and he, he delivered quite a few good ones today. Robbo as well. But I just think that a lot of our um, chance making is 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 uh, percentage balls, as in we're, we're putting it in the box, and we're hoping that one of those 16 that uh, Trent had today would go in. So I think the um, the performance was okay. I, I, it, it was, I mean, for me. Against Bayern Munich, that was our best performance of the season. And today, I think, was one of the, the lesser performances of the season. Uh, not really a highlight, but we definitely deserve to win. Well, yeah, that's very interesting. Yes, exactly. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, it seems that if, if, you know, win, lose or draw this season, a lot has depended on the performance of our fullbacks. And I thought both of them were... You know, was solid today without being, you know, spectacular. Trent, yeah, he put in some lovely balls. He also made a few mistakes, in my opinion. But yes, no, he was up and down that touchline, really dominated that side of the pitch, um, as Robbo did on the other side. And yes, with our build-up play, it, it is really interesting to think about, isn't it? You know, even uh, Sadio Mane's goal. I mean, let's let's go on to talk about him. That came from a sort of City-esque move, didn't it? I mean, it was a wonderful play by by Trent uh, in midfield to play this square pass to Bobby Firmino. Gave it to Mane, back to Firmino, back to Mane, in the back of the net. It was quick, it was incisive, short passing along the deck. And uh, Sadio Mane was superb, wasn't he, Linus? I mean, it's 20 goals this for the season now in all competitions. 11 goals in his last 11 matches. You can't really ask for much more, can you? No, it, it's like a wise Liverpool fan once said, it's the best football player in the world. Uh, Who was that? Was that Jamie Connolly? Yeah, no, it's, it's the video of, uh, from I think it's from Hoffenheim the if buts and maybe's video it's all over Twitter I'm I'm not sure but yeah money right now is just on fire it, it he's our most informed player and he's really picked up 
Salah's mantle when he's not performing very well, which is very important. Because if Mane wasn't doing what he was doing right now, we would probably be out of the title race. And he's he's just with Van Dijk uh, right now, probably our most important player. And he's he he finds this pockets of space that he is, gets into. He he doesn't really uh, get many assists. I think he's got maybe one or two this season. But he just finds he he it's almost like he always knows where the ball is gonna end up. Uh, the same today, he gets the ball, he's placed the ball to Firmino, who gets the ball inside, and Mane is just in the perfect position to just hit, hit it into the goal, and like you said, 11 goals in the last 11 matches, that's a goal a game almost, and that's not, not many players are doing that right now, and he, he's got 17 goals this season, the same amount as Salah, and he, if, if you didn't count penalties, I think he'd be clear top right now, so he, he's just immense, and uh, really important right now and yeah. I, I i i think i'd give him the man of the match as well yeah that was my next question yeah if he would be your man of the match as well yeah he, i mean he was mine i mean he was he was excellent he's dangerous at the start of the match he's dangerous in the middle of the match and he's dangerous at the end of the match i mean he's absolutely brilliant and as you say 17 goals that's in the premier league this season it's so fun to watch him play uh, and uh, yeah, um, so the key battles, I mean, you know, in the context of the match, Fosu Mensa uh, for Fulham, I thought he was excellent today, Fergus. I thought Fosu Mensa decided to become, you know, Cafu for the 75 minutes that he was on the pitch. But there's only so much you can do against Mane and Robbo. Talk to me about Mane, Fergus. Yeah, Mane, what can you say? He's he's our star forward right now. Um you know, a lot of people are saying that Salah hasn't been um, uh, uh, on top form, and, and obviously he hasn't. But part of that is that every time Sal, uh, Salah catches the ball, there's three players around him. Now, what does that mean? That means that on the left-hand side where Mane is, he's getting a lot more space. Because of last season, the destruction that was wrought by Salah, everyone just thinks of how are we going to stop Salah every single game. Now, what, it, that's had a knock-on effect whereby Mane is getting a lot more space. So he, he's been brilliant. Um, his finishing, I think his finishing percentages have come right up because we knew from last season and previous seasons that although he got some, you know, used to get 10 or 12 goals a season, he used to miss a lot of chances as well. Now it's pretty much one chance, one goal, or, or two chances, one goal. So that's gone right up. Um, as far as the, the key battles as well, I thought Fosimenta was excellent as well. I, I thought he really stood out. In fact, the Fulham backline were all really good. You know, Reem and um, get the other his partner next to him, and then uh, the, the the left back as well. They all they all played very well, and and that was what made it difficult for us as well. Um, so so yeah, overall I thought uh, the, the players that stood out for Fulham were their defence really because they didn't have much in midfield or in attack at all. Yes, okay, yeah, absolutely. And it's a really good point that uh, Mo Salah, yeah, I mean, he's got three, sometimes four defenders marking him in every match. And if you look at that goal, it's something that I noticed for Mane's, you know, the first goal today, um, is that Salah is actually occupying, you know, three of their defenders in the box, uh, which does leave that bit of extra space. You're exactly right, Fergus. I I noticed that as well. Um, An interesting thing, and I'm going to stay with you, Fergus, on this, um, interesting call again to bring Adam Lalana 
uh, from the start, his second start in a week after Bayern Munich. What did you make of his performance? I thought he was very good again. Uh, he's back to the Adam Alana that we had not last season, but the season before. Um, today, I was just looking at the stats on him, and he did five total tackles. So he was actually the, um, the team leader for tackles today for Liverpool. So that's, that's a magnificent contribution from a midfielder um, because he gets through so much hard work. He's always pressing and he can, you know, his defensive side is slightly better than his attacking side, but he can make things happen. You know, he can play short into, into, into plays in midfield with Wijnaldum, with Fabinho, and he can set the forwards free as well. Himself and, um, and Bobby pretty much occupy a lot of the same space today. But um, I think it's great to have Adam Lallana back. He's, he's, he's a very special Klopp-type player because, um, as you can see, he's very demanding about his midfielders. Only, uh, really Adam Lallana, he only really trusts Adam Lallana or James Milner or Wijnaldum to do, to do that job, whereby you're one of the two in a three three-man midfield with, with Fabinho behind. And again, I thought Fabinho had another good game today. He's turning into our, one of our most consistent performers alongside um, uh, Virgil. Matip is, is consistent now as well. And uh, Mane has, has become very consistent. So, so Fabinho is like um, a Rolls-Royce or a Mercedes in the middle of the park. Very cool, very always in the right position, can spray a beautiful ball left and right. I mean, the amount of cross-field balls today that was very impressive from Fabinho, from Van Dijk, also from Matip, they were able to pick up these beautiful cross-field long passes over to, uh, to Trent on the right-hand side. And, and, and the way that um, Fabinho also closes down their players, and he got booked early in the game today, so he had to be careful. So he kind of faded a bit in the second half because he couldn't really... Uh, put those long legs out like he normally does, as you know, with as much abandon as before. So, yeah, so that's. Um, I, I thought Lalana did well, and overall the midfield did very well as well. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, Fab, Fabinho, you're you're right to bring him up. I mean, he's he was immense again. I mean, I've I've ordered, um, you know, a massive slab of of marble. It's like a sort of you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to start chipping away. Uh, addict to make a you know make a make a uh, bust of of Virgil Van Dyke, but I might sort of make a Mount Rushmore thing, you know, with Van Dyke, Mo Salah, uh, Fabinho will be on it. I think he'll be on my Mount Rushmore with Sadio Mane. Uh, but then you know, a guy who's definitely hundred percent going to be on my Mount Rushmore. That's Jurgen Klopp. Uh, how what did you think of how he managed the game? today, Linus? I think he did quite well. I don't think the problems today was the managers. I think his subs were okay. I, it's probably the ones I would make. I think maybe I would bring on Shakiri, but I, I think club doesn't really trust Shakiri right now. And I, I think when we made our last substitution, that was, yeah, started in the, in the 90th minute. We didn't really need, need him. And uh, when we made our first substitutions, we didn't need a goal. So I can see why we didn't bring... Shakiri on, and uh, yeah, so I I think Klopp's subs were on point. I think Origi did very well again. He was he was looking energetic down that uh, left hand side, and uh, he almost reminds me a bit of the Bale kind of player. I I, I don't think he's as good as Bale, obviously, but he reminds me of that play style, very fi- good physical presence and uh, still quite fast. And Milner, 
I, yeah, I think obviously he has that mistake for uh, Fulham's goal, but otherwise I think I thought he obviously scored a penalty, always missed reliable pens. He, I think he's uh, taken 14 pens in the Premier League and he scored 13 of them, so he's very good at penalties. And uh, yeah, I think the substitutions are on point. I, I think uh, Klopp had a very good performance and I don't think he, he was to blame for any uh, shortcomings of the team today. I think, like usual, he's just uh, a genius, a mastermind. Mm, and unpredictable. But yes, it's interesting. Yes, the performance of Origi caught your eye. Um, for you, Linus, I mean, has he done enough this season to, to you know, to, to merit him, you know, staying in our squad as a squad player, uh, do you think? Yeah, like like I said before uh, on the WhatsApp group, I I think he's he's young enough to be able to uh, become better and better, and I think he's I think he's obviously a talented player. We we saw before he got the in- injury versus Everton, he was probably our best attacker at the at the time, and uh, if he could even if he could start getting back to the, to that form, I think he could be a very good squad player for us because. Definitely, he now he's playing in a new position as well. He's playing out on that left-hand side, which gives him much more freedom. And I think he's become much better. I think after his performance versus Watford, when he played out on that left left-hand side, and I think him playing uh, there, us having him in the squad even next season, even though I think we should bring in someone else to uh, that's more similar to Moni, because I don't think Origi is very similar to Moni in play style. Uh, I think we should definitely keep him in the squad because I think he could be useful, especially when we're playing at Everton. Would you agree, Fergus? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I've been really impressed with Origi. He used to be one of those players for a while where when it, when the board went up and Origi was coming on, everyone would just groan and sort of roll their eyes a bit. But he's come on. Um, okay, Obviously, he, he um, had a huge contribution to the season when he scored the injury time winner against Everton. But in the last um, few games where he's come on a sub, I think he's done brilliantly. He's, he's turned into a, a very skillful wide player. I mean, we always thought of him as a centre forward, someone who could double, double up uh, or replace Sturridge or replace um, Bobby in the middle. But now what we're seeing is he can really run the channels, he can run the lines, he can occupy, uh, let's say, to get, us, get, us, get the pressure away from the defence. He can occupy the full backs. Um, he's got a great touch. I mean, I, I never really rated his touch that much before, but now you see he can keep the ball, control the ball, interplay and dribble. He's a dangerous dribbler as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm turning into a bit of an Origi fan now, actually, and I think he, he deserves to stay on in the squad um, and he deserves to, to get his minutes and to play a big part next season as well. Well, OK. I mean, I wouldn't... I mean, I, I, I'm very happy to leave these sort of decisions to the people who know more than me. But I, I just think we could still do better. I mean, you know, if you can just imagine, you know, Divock, I mean, you know, fair play to him. I mean, as you say, uh, Linus, I mean, he's still young, 23 years old. He's going to be 24 in April, by the way. Yeah, and he is improving. You're right, his, his touch... You know, he's looking good. And you're right, Fergus, he's, he's no longer the player that we're just going to groan about with him with him coming off the bench. You're right, but I just think... 
if he's happy being in the squad with someone else coming in above him in the pecking order, then yes, definitely keep him. I just think we could do a bit better. So I'm sort of, you know, I'm going to slightly disagree with you both there, but that's uh, that's okay, isn't it? I don't know. Don't hold it against me. Um, generally speaking for Liverpool, if we go talk about, you know, zoom out to our general season, I mean, Man City watch, you know, they're our main rivals for the title. Just to quickly uh, tell you about their next sort of, give you the next uh, six games that they've got. Uh, they've got Fulham away on the 30th of March after the international break. It goes Fulham away, Cardiff at home, both of those in the league. Then it's the Champions League away to Tottenham, Premier League away to Palace, Champions League return match at home against Tottenham, and then a league match against Tottenham, also at the Etihad. So you've got Fulham, Cardiff, just think about the Premier League, you've got Fulham, Cardiff, Palace, Tottenham. They're the next four matches. Um, I mean, what does your gut say? Obviously, no one can look into the future. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think of an exception. Anyone, anyone, can anyone look into the future? No, I don't think anyone can. Uh, but, uh, you know, what is your, what's your gut instinct, Fergus? Are they going to, you know, get four out of four out of those games? Yes, I, I suppose the only people who can look into the future are weather forecasters and they <laughs> use the type, the type of data that we might be trying to use when we're trying to forecast uh, football games, <laughs> such as statistics and probabilities and all of that. Um, so, but that's obviously a very inexact science because you can't look more than a few days ahead for, for reliable weather. And, but I think City have been very reliable this season. They went through one bad spell when they lost, um, I think it was three or four games between Dece- around December time. But um, they, they, I think they'll win every match. I, I, I have no doubt they'll win every match. In, in, okay, I have a, a very small, there might be a very small doubt they could win every match, but they certainly have the potential to win every match. And including they could probably beat um, Tottenham three times in a row in the Champions League. Uh, sorry, Champions League two, two games and the league game. They're that good, um, and but I think you know just meant, while I mentioned the Champions League, I thought the I don't know if you want to talk about it later, but I thought the Liverpool draw was favourable, and I thought that uh, having City playing a Tottenham three times in the space of a few weeks is also going to be difficult for them because you know the way that the there's always a circus surrounding. Um, uh, all British Champions League ties. We had it with uh, with Chelsea in the past decade a couple of times. Um, we had it with Man United, I think, in the Europa League once. So it's going to be that's going to be a, a very very big story around City, around Spurs, and it's going to be a lot of pressure on them. So we can quietly go away to Porto. I don't think it's going to be um, as easy a game as it was last season. I think Porto have improved a lot. So that's going to be, you know, uh, it's going to be a challenge, but it's it's a favourable draw. So, but as for the league, um, I would predict City getting maximum points at every game. Um, And if they don't, then, you know, we have to be there to to mop it up. Mm. Well, it's a very interesting answer. And yeah, no, it's nice. I was going to ask you about your... uh 
your thoughts on the Porto draw. It is very favourable. I mean, imagine being in, in City's shoes and they have to go to, you know, the Tottenham's new stadium, apparently, is going to be open for the quarterfinal. Um, we'll see if that actually happens. I mean, you never know. Uh, that's on the 9th of April. But looking at their schedule, I mean, they're such an intense team. I think that even the 7-0 against Schalke could could um, actually play into our hands somewhat, which may sound a bit strange, but I mean that Guardiola demands no let-up at any point. So, you know, you're 3-0 you're, you're up at home in the second leg and you've already won the first leg 3-2. So you're basically four goals up and Guardiola demands that you go, you keep going and, you know, no less no lessening of the intensity. And I think that attitude is pretty, I don't know, foolhardy because there's got to be a point where their stamina suffers a little bit. And if and that's the positive thing that I take from their from their run. I mean obviously the they could, as you say, Fergus, they could, you know, they could easily uh, beat Tottenham three times. They could easily on paper beat Fulham, beat Cardiff, beat Palace. Um but then, you know, they're in they're in a short period of time. They've got they've got um blimey, until the twenty eighth of April they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in uh, basically 30 days so it's 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 intense it's intensity for them over the over this period and that's the thing that I'm I'm hoping on and also Burnley that's my gut instinct I think Burnley away for Manchester City at Turf Moor on the 28th of April uh, that's the one that I, I think Burnley are gonna do them I, I do I do because their defence they don't like the psychopaths you know Ashley Ashley Barnes Chris Wood that kind of stuff they don't like it City that's my gut instinct Lena I want to bring you into this Man City uh, conversation what do you make of them? Yeah obviously Man City look really strong they could definitely just get maximum points and uh, uh, we wouldn't even have a chance to win the title but I think what we've seen from uh, Guardiola teams, especially uh, Bayern Munich, who I uh, watched quite a lot of, they really dropped off during the end of the season, but by then they had already won the league and that's why they struggled in Europe. So I think that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I think there's some game, there's a few games I've earmarked for myself that could be potential hiccups. One, like you say, the Burnley game, but also Crystal Palace at Palace. It's a away game for uh, City, and if Palace can perform another masterclass against them with another Townsend screamer, that that could be a potential hiccup. And also the two big games, the Tottenham uh, uh, at Etihad, and the I think it's at, at Old Trafford, uh, the United game. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's at it's at the it's at the it's at Old Trafford. Yes, I think definitely. I think the Man United at Old Trafford is unless they. Uh, go out with the mindset of Liverpool are not allowed to win the league, let's lose this mindset. I think they could definitely do something there, uh, at least get a draw. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think City look really good. They're obviously one of the best uh, footballing sides I have ever seen and probably uh, most people have seen. But I think they will uh, definitely lose points during the season, at least uh, look... Uh, relatively bad and uh, 
if Fulham can put a performance like this in against City, who knows? Because uh, even though they looked really bad in that, they looked bad overall. They kind of uh, defended real really well, and uh, obviously, I think we are way better defensively than Manchester City are. So, and uh, they're still missing some of their key defenders. I'm not sure if. Uh, Fernandinho will be back by then, but if he isn't, that that could be a hiccup. Even though we can't really depend on Fulham, obviously, but I I I think they uh, definitely will slip up, and I think we'll uh, pass uh, pass them in the league. And obviously, they have Tottenham. I think it's three games in a row. I think they if it's uh, is the league game versus Tottenham after the the second leg or before the second leg, depending. And they have. Uh, three games in a row. That's really tough because uh, if you if it if it's just uh, like if we have Porto and Chelsea, even that's easier because it's not that big of a team. Obviously, Porto isn't easy, but when you have three really big games against the same team, that you get kind of into that mindset of playing that team and you exert all your energy, and then maybe maybe they fall off a bit. I don't know. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Well, it's a very interesting answer. Yeah, it's actually three three out of four games. But I mean, yeah, they played Tottenham three times in 11 days, but they do have Crystal Palace um, in the middle of it. So it's, it's an incredibly intense period for them. The, the, you know, the 9th of April is, is Tottenham away in the first leg, and then it's the 14th of April away again uh, to Palace, and then the two home matches against Tottenham. Uh, on the seventeenth and the twentieth of April, um, but uh, yeah, I want to I want to talk about us for a little bit uh, because you know obviously we really can't afford to to slip up, can we, Fergus? I mean, our next matches. Uh, let me just bring them up on my screen here. Um, our next matches. Uh, obviously, our next one is against Tottenham. Uh, on the 31st of March. God, that seems ages away. Uh, but uh, we, we're playing Tottenham, then then Southampton away, then Porto at home, Chelsea at home, and Porto away. Um, what do you think about that, Fergus? Can we, you know, can we can we win all our league matches? Um, I would say we, we're in with a shout. Um a performance like today, it was a bit touch and go, really, whether we got one point or three, because at, at one stage it looked like we were just going to get one point. Um, we didn't talk about the, the, the penalty um, that Milner scored, but you know, that, that was a huge mistake by Sergio Rico, the Fulham goalkeeper. He, he's dodgy at the best of times. He used to play for Sevilla in Spain, and they got rid of him because he used to let too many goals in. Uh, Fulham were foolish enough to pick him up, and he's he's been making error after error, error in in the number of games I've seen him playing. And today it was really was a schoolboy error. error. Mane was going nowhere, and he just dragged him back. Pure panic in the six-yard box. So, uh, but if that hadn't have happened, the way our crossing, what you know, crossing was some crosses were good, but we had a lot of inaccurate crosses, and the way. As, as uh, Lena said, we weren't really linking too well in the final third. That could have easily ended up as a 1-1 today, which would have been a huge two points dropped away to the second from bottom side. So you can take nothing for granted at all. Uh, it, I mean, Tottenham, we're probably playing them at a good time because they've been going through a bad spell. So it's a good time to play them. But on the other hand, Southampton have been playing really well under their new manager. 
Uh, they've got some really good results. Um, you'll have to remind me who they beat lately. Was it Chelsea or... So it was Tottenham. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they beat Tottenham at home and they've had some other very good results since Hassan Hootel came in. So, you know, Southampton away, it's a difficult place. Southampton is a team that likes to, to beat Liverpool because of our, our links, the way we kept um, stealing their best players. So that's going to be a tricky tie. You can't take anything for granted. And, you know, that could be one point. It could be three points. Who knows? And then um, the two Porto games. I mean, I, I'm all for the idea that we're going for a double here. We're going for the league and the Champions League. We're not choosing between them. We're going for both. Uh, we can try to win both. or uh, and, and we might win one of them. But we definitely have to try to win both. So you've got those two Porto away ties, which are a bit of a break from the league. Um, the, home, the home leg should be very nice. The second leg is at home, so that should be excellent. And then Chelsea as well. Chelsea blow hot and cold. Um, a very tough team on their day. They still think of themselves, they still fancy themselves as a big side. And the Chelsea-Liverpool game is a huge tie. It's one of the biggest ties of the whole season. So who, may, who knows what way that will go? You can never take a victory against Chelsea for granted. Uh, even this season, when they're good one week and terrible the next, so Chelsea would love nothing more with the history of between the two clubs than to beat us on the title run-in, even if they've got not much to play for apart from a top four. So there's no easy games and have to just take it, as Klopp would say, game by game. Hope we can do our best in each game, try to get three points in every game and see where we end up. Yeah, very fair answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't take anything for granted these days, not even a single game. I was walking past a tobacconist. I was trying to stop smoking. But in, in tobacconists, you can... In France, you can you can bet on football, and the tobacconist was closed before today's game because I was thinking about putting just a couple of euros on Fulham. I did that last season, and uh, we won every single match. Every time I bet against Liverpool, so it's kind of like a you know how much would you pay to see Liverpool win? That's the way I justify it. Luckily, the tobacconist was closed, but I was you know it just tells you I was nervous before this match. I don't take anything for granted whatsoever, but I do think that if we get through this period in the league, if we manage to pick up maximum points from these matches, Tottenham, Southampton away. Um, Chelsea at home uh, and then you know after Chelsea at home actually those three matches in the league we've got Cardiff Huddersfield Newcastle and Wolves to finish the season with and that for me it's it's easier on paper put it that way but I don't know it's uh, these these next three matches are really 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 tough um, yeah, I mean, but it's very interesting you brought up the idea of the double there. The hero of the week this week for me, best, the best comment of the week was from Mo Salah, who's, who was interviewed. And he said, I'll be honest with you, the most prestigious competition for me is the Champions League. But the dream for the city and the club is the league. So I'm happy to sacrifice my dream for their dream. But if we win both... That would be great. Uh, Linus, what sort of chances have we got of winning both? I mean, what sort of percentage would you put on it at this stage? We can do, a, you know, the major double. Yeah, I would put a 100% chance. What do you mean? We're going to win? No, that, that's, what, that's what I was getting to. I wouldn't say it's 100% we will win them. i say it's a 100% chance we have the chance to do it. Obviously, okay. our squad, squad isn't as good as some teams out there, but 
I think I think we have players that can step in, especially with the draw we have versus we have Porto, and if we beat them readily at home, maybe we rest players for the, for the return leg, return leg at the Dragao. But I I think we can one hundred percent win both, but I don't think we will. I think we will probably uh, when push comes to show, we will probably take our chances with the league over the Champions League, but. 100% we can win both and I, I don't like putting percentages on things like this because there's so many variables and so much things that can change and uh, like that so I, I would just say we uh, definitely have a, a chance to do both and if we do it it's just going to be the best year of my, best year ever well okay so we 100% have a chance that's a very, very diplomatic answer perhaps you have a career in politics ahead of you Fergus will, will you give me a percentage will you tell me what percentage do you think we have of actually doing it I, I, I was thinking off the top of my head about a 20% chance uh, of winning both the league and the Champions League double but just while, I, while I'm talking I'm looking up on Google what the odds are uh, Liverpool are nine to four for the Premier League and four to one for the Champions League, so that's they're actually eight to one when you multiply the two odds. So you'll get you'll get doubles of eight to one on uh, Liverpool winning, which in a percentage terms is what fifteen percent less. Yeah. It's actually twelve and a half percent. So that's yeah. the odds are twelve and a half percent that we'll win both according to the bookies. Wow. Okay. And that seems. I mean, that seems quite low to me. I mean, you know, eight, only eight to one. That that tells you the bookies think that. You know, we, you know, it's, it's it's a really good chance, really. But yes, eight to one. That's really interesting. I might, you know, put uh, put. Uh, what can I afford to lose? I might put two euros on it. See how it goes. But yeah, the double is on. Um. So anyway, okay. Well, we we. I think we pretty much, you know, coming to the end. Do you have anything that you would anything else you would like to talk about? Just on on the goal. I mean, obviously, we gave disastrous goal. Um, which, which brought Fulham back into the game. They didn't deserve much, but they did give us a few uh, scary moments at the back. And then Milner came on to sort of shore things up in midfield. And one of the first things he did was sky a ball over his head. As he tried to clear it, he, he sliced it backwards. Um, I, it, I don't know if we're still driving rain then and windy, but the conditions were pretty, weren't the best. And... Uh, Van Dijk tried to head it back to Allison. It was a bit of a weak header. Um, it was a difficult one to deal with because it wasn't at a kickable height. But um, anyway, they, they both were, were attributed with an error uh, according to the statistics on who scored. So a bit of a disastrous um, uh, occurrence there for both players. And I think in Van Dijk's position, I know he's been uh, almost infallible this season, but in his position, he's, he's the one under control of the ball. He has to clear it, even even if he has to clear it into the stand behind the goal for a corner, um, because the header that w- was a bit weak and it put Allison in a difficult position, and Babel did really well then to steal in. And in fact, Babel was probably um, Fulham's best player today, and and nice to see that he didn't celebrate against Liverpool because he's a Liverpool fan, he's a former player. So yeah, just to clear up on that goal, it was it almost. Uh, created a very bad situation for us but luckily in the end uh, Milner atoned for that by slotting home a nice penalty just right into the middle of the goal. The uh, thing about Bubble with the goal you could see on replays and uh, at the, when, when I saw the goal he almost hesitated before hitting it in he almost didn't want to score and you could see if you looked at his face when he was scoring he didn't look happy 
he he kind of didn't want to score, but obviously he had to, and then he didn't celebrate. So I I think that was that that was pretty funny. It, yeah, I mean, you know, now it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, it made me almost want to vomit when I when I saw it. But uh, yes, maybe that was just the football gods rewarding re- rewarding him for his choice of hair color. Brilliant that he come back came back to the Premier League wearing red on his head. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, another thing, another thing, last thing I want to talk about. Allison is 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 bad for my health. Allison's bad for my heart. He's 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 sort of fancy panting again. I call it fancy panting. It's when you just you know do this type of passing where it just gives me the jitters. I've seen it go so wrong so many times. Probably be, I've been scarred by you know the amount of calamitous keepers we've had in the past. He's way better with his feet than you know anyone we've ever had. Probably apart from maybe Rayner. Um, He's brilliant with his feet, but I, I hate this fancy panting around. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's just make a decision. And I think he's partly to blame for that goal, Fergus. I'm sorry. I think he's also partly to blame because, yes, it was a weak header. Uh, but at the end of the day, if he'd bent down, picked it up, instead of using his feet, he would have, he would have at least won a foul. But, you know, he, he could have just picked up the ball, I think. But that's... Gone. It's done. It's gone. We won. 2-1. We've got two weeks of an international break. Oh, my Lord, the desert of an international break. My final question uh, for you guys is, um, you know, you've got you've got three options. If the international break were a person, would you A, try to crush its skull with your bare hands, B, stab it in the ghoulies with a rusty blade, or C, Give it a hug and try to French kiss it because you love international football and international football has glorious buttocks. What do you think, Fergus? A, B or C? Uh, definitely B, stab it in the ghoulies with a rusty blade because um, the amount of international games is, is too much. So it really puts you off international football. Even when it comes around to the World Cup or the European Championship finals, by the time they come around, you're so sick of international football that... I don't even want to watch it. And yeah, international football, it's not, of the, it's not of the high standard of the Premier League and the big leagues in Europe. So I think, um, Owen, my advice is time to catch up on all of those movies you've been missing, catch up on all those <laughs> books you've been planning to read and uh, just switch it off and take a break, take a proper international break from football. Close the curtain, switch off the TV and, uh, and, and do something else. Oh, you don't know how how uh, you know unappetizing that sounds. Uh, but thank you very much for the advice, Fergus. Uh, what about what about you, Linus? A, B, or C? Well, normally I would be A or B because I don't really like it, and our players always our best players always seem to get injured during them. But I'm because I'm I'm obviously Swedish, so I'm looking at it from a Swedish point of view, and we have some really. Uh, interesting and exciting players coming through right now. We have Isak coming through the uh, com- uh, his first international call up, and a lot of young players just uh, getting to the national team for the first time. So I'm actually looking forward to it, coupled with the fact that may- maybe Salah can go ahead and ponder over his uh, last few games and just come back with a newfound confidence. So I'm. Obviously, I'd prefer the Premier League to continue, but I'm I'm 
actually kind of looking forward to the international games uh, this time. Well, okay. Tell me a little bit then about that that Isa guy. I mean, who's that? He's still 18. He came to Dortmund from Oiko, my, I, I guess you could say local. It's not really local, but lo- the most local team uh, uh, from where, where I live. And uh, he had a really good season. He went on to Dortmund and didn't really play. He wasn't in, even in the Champions League squad this year. And uh, he then got loaned out to uh, a Dutch squad and now he's just tearing it up. I think he's got like five goals in five games and uh, he uh, single-handedly won uh, his team the game versus Feyenoord the other day uh, with a really, really nice goal, just taking out the entire defense. And he's just looking really good at the moment and I really like him. So we're, I'm really excited to see him playing. Well, okay. Yeah, all right. I mean, you know, all right. Well, I'm glad you've got something to look, to look forward to. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I might start googling these, uh, you know, these young talents. I do like to do that to to kind of scout, you know, pretend I'm a scout for Liverpool, and uh, you know, look up uh, all the all the young players. But uh, you know, I just want I I, I want to thank you. I want to say good luck to good luck to Sweden in this international break. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a Wales fan, so I just I might watch some uh, rugby highlights or something like that. But uh, I don't know. It's just the desert of international football. Having said that, on Cop On, I've got a couple of specials coming up. Um, hopefully, with some uh, you know some really exciting guests, so you can or the listeners can look out for that. But thank you so much, Linus, and thank you so much, Fergus. It's been a joy to talk to you over this last hour to, you know, to, 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 to revel in, for me, what was an absolutely glorious win. So, you know, even despite everything, I think Man City will be more annoyed at that than any other result. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very so that brings us to the end of another episode of Cop On Podcast. It's getting very late now. I have to keep my voice down a bit. Thank you so, so very much for listening. It's an absolute pleasure. It brings me such joy to bring you this podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it. Send us an email, coponpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. If you would like to support us on Patreon, it can cost you as little as $1 a month cheaper than chips that's patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast but for now as we hold hands and leave the last bastion of human civilization and waltz together into the wilderness of the desert of the international break what's that we can see in the distance perhaps it's the promised land